G'day and welcome to episode 22 of Out on the Paddock. My name is Rob Marshall and on behalf of the WA Country Cricket Board, we are absolutely thrilled that you're joining us today. This episode of Out on the Paddock is a somewhat unique one in that our guest today is a gentleman by the name of Todd Anderson, someone who has never played a game of cricket in regional WA and in actual fact doesn't even live in WA and yet currently is arguably one of the most important people involved with WA country cricket as we speak. So who is Todd Anderson? Todd is currently employed by WA Cricket to lead the rollout this season of one of the biggest changes that we have seen to cricket in regional WA as we transition from my cricket to play HQ. In this episode, you will get to know a lot more about who Todd Anderson is on a personal level, as well as have him explain all of the key things you need to know as a player, your cricket club needs to know, and your association needs to know about Play HQ and its implementation and the registration process. Can I strongly recommend that you sit back now and have a listen in full to this interview, whether you are a club administrator or simply someone planning to play cricket again in WA Country Cricket this summer, the summer of 2023-24. So let's hear from Todd. Our guest today is somebody that um, possibly those of you who are listening in who are regular listeners and have heard us uh, interview many bush legends, many uh, cricketers from across regional WA over the journey. You may say, who's Todd Anderson? I haven't played against him at Country Week or I haven't run across him at Country Cup before. Uh, and that's probably because you haven't, because he hasn't been there. We are going to understand a little bit about Todd Anderson from a different perspective on today's episode of Out on the Paddock. But before we get any further and do any more, welcome to the podcast, Todd Anderson. Yes, thanks very much for having me. It's great to have you, mate, and uh, that, that, that's a cryptic start for just about everybody, I reckon, to get today's episode going. Todd, do you want to tell us, kick off, tell us what is the role that you're playing that I'm going to call out is a crucial role for WA Country Cricket uh, this summer? Uh, do you want to give us a little bit of a, a brief on understanding what is your role at WA Cricket? Sure. So my my title is Play HQ Lead with WA Cricket, um, as many would know that's the new competition management software that's being introduced for the upcoming summer and uh, my role entails the training, the rollout, getting everything set up for hopefully what's a very smooth and successful season to come. So um, yeah, it's something that's quite new uh, to the to WA Cricket and um, obviously new to a lot of people and um, yeah, been enjoying it so far but it's a little bit of a journey to go. That's part of why we wanted to do this episode is to tackle a few of the tough questions about how Play HQ is going to roll out for WA Country Cricket this year. Um, we kind of had a not an aborted start, but we kind of looked flirted with it last year and decided not to. But we'll come we'll come we'll come back to that shortly because I, I really want um, our listeners tuning in today to get a bit of an understanding of. Of your story, we're not going to go excessively deep. Um, I promised you that before we started, but I think uh, somebody like yourself, without possibly realising it, is going to play quite a significant impact 
on the history of WA country cricket. The listeners who listen in regularly know how much I go on about how we value the the history of WA country cricket. It goes back 100 plus years and we're about to enter another new phase in how we approach certain aspects of, of cricket for WA country cricket and, and it is, we'll call it out, a national rollout pretty much this year. Um, but we, we, we're more focused on WA country cricket. So we'll we'll get there shortly. But uh, first cab off the rank, um, let's call it out. You, you don't actually even live in WA, is that right? Correct, yeah. So I'm uh, based in Melbourne. I do make some regular trips uh, across to Perth, but uh, yeah, Melbourne's Melbourne's my home, so a lot of work done remotely from there. So maybe give us a little bit of a bit of an understanding of of how you've landed where you are now with WA Country Cricket. And like I say, I'm calling it out, mate. I think you're going to be one of the most important people in for us in WA Country Cricket. No pressure this summer. Um, and okay, he's uh, having a chuckle away for those who can't see him right now because uh, that just. That just put pressure on him, but uh, didn't mean to do that, mate. Uh, what what is your what what is your journey to getting here now? Where what's your background, and did it involve cricket, or did it involve more the the specialisation of Play HQ in your past? Sure, yeah. So definitely on the whole seat now. I do get that a little bit. No pressure, but yeah. I uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's sure it's there. Um, yeah. So my role with Double Cricket started. In March this year, yep. so as I said, said very near to WA cricket. Previously to that, I worked with Cricket Australia mm-hmm. as part of you touched on it before the rollout from last year. Yep, several of the states in the country introduced the system last summer. My role was with the essentially with the help desk, um, so working mainly with the associations and the state staff at that level, helping them get things set up, troubleshooting, you know, going through and trying to communicate any issues they had um, dealing with those sorts of things. And that was from probably this time last year, last September, sort of experienced that that rollout and that summer that they had. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit about yes. you know, the experiences that they had. Previous to that, I was actually involved in basketball for quite a long time. So right. frigates, uh, not my original sport or um, have a huge background there. But some may know that PlayHQ originally started as a basketball platform. It's currently a multi-sport, basketball, AFL, netball, cricket. First sport on PlayHQ was basketball and Melbourne was the first uh, city or Victoria, the first state that was introduced to that. So back from sort of 2019, I'd used PlayHQ um, as an administrator at that stage. So I was an association and a club person and I went through that onboarding process from the other side. It was a very, very um, basic system back then. So when it started, there were not many features, not many things you could do. However, the the basketball system, unlike my cricket, was very basic. So that was, um, even it was a job, it wasn't much of a change. Worked a lot through there, uh, learning it as a basketball system and then as I said, ended up at, at Cricket Australia sort of using the experience with a lot of things are transferable, the registration process, the payments, the setup, the fixturing, very similar for all different sports. Um, cricket has um, some very unique things things as well. Um, but, yeah, that was sort of my journey to this role, starting as a 
a players queue person for a number of years and very recently a cricket players queue person. So just before we go on the adventure of, of how it's evolving for cricket and certainly your experience, like you said, we're going to talk about last season and what happened outside of WA and in a couple of the other states that you've had some involvement involvement with going back to the basketball journey was had basketball had a uh, previous product to play HQ like kind of we have in cricket um were they did they transition or did they kick off using play HQ as their first platform for capturing online scoring whatever it may have been registrations obviously yeah they had a few platforms so one I think the most recent name was sports TG which may be familiar to that some people it went through it was Fox Sports Pulse and it was Sporting Pulse and all different things over the, the journey. That was use of basketball primarily. Um it wasn't a, a, a great product for for basketball, it did the basics, but not too much else. And previous to that, that was probably ten years that was around. Previous to that there was one called FIBA Organizer, which was used worldwide. Um and that was something that just sat on a single computer, there was no cloud software then. Yep. So to yep. to use that, you had to go in and use that computer in that office <laughs> and it was all based there and you couldn't just jump on at 10 o'clock and make a change if you needed to. So um, come a very long way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I'm asking that is because obviously there are a lot and, and rightfully so, a lot of clubs and associations in regional WA right now sort of still questioning why we're making a change and, and we will tackle those questions like we keep saying shortly. But what I, I, I'm keen always to do is remind people this isn't the first time we've actually made a change in in uh, cricket because I can go back to the initial stages of a little product called Results Vault where that's where it all kicked off um, prior to, to my cricket uh, my understanding, I don't know the mechanics, but I believe Results Vault was a private organisation that then got bought out by a, by various ones involved more so with cricket. Um, and Results Vault was very clunky, <laughs> very clunky. But at the time we were like, wow, you know, I can remember sitting on the steps of the Metro Inn in, uh, in, on Canning Highway in South Perth in the middle of Country Week and showing the guys on my, I think it was, I, I can't even remember what sort of mobile phone it was. It definitely wasn't an iPhone. It was an earlier alliteration of that, showing them the scores that had happened around Country Week cricket that day. And no one could believe, they, everyone thought I was making it up you know, that we were actually looking at scores that had happened in a real, in, in real time on a phone. It was just bizarre. Um, so we, we kind of have been on a journey where we've done transitions before and we came out the other side. So obviously that's the journey basketball went on as well. Yeah. As you said, it was, it was amazing that a few years ago you could have a system do a fixture for you. You didn't have to manually write it out. Um, and, and transfer it in. So to come from there to where we are, it's um, yeah, pretty a lot of change. It's been a lot of change, a lot of change. And and I'd suggest that there will continue to be change well into the future. I'm spending a lot of my time in my other life outside of cricket, travelling Australia, talking about the rise and rise of artificial intelligence and AI. And it's blowing me away what's evolving right now as we speak in in that world. So just to wrap up, your journey. 
live in Melbourne currently. You're obviously in a pretty sports crazy city. You know, what's your experiences so far of coming over to Western Australia and how have you found that process? Yeah, so the, the first time I'd actually travelled to WA was at the start of this role. Right. So it was a, a very, very new journey. We didn't know too much of what to expect, um, but absolutely loved it. You know, it's, I think the obviously uh, the easy thing was coming over in, uh, I think it was last week I said early March. You know, in Melbourne, it's already winter. By then, it's cold, it's windy, it's overcast. And um, people don't believe me. I, I told them this. I don't think I saw a cloud for the first four or five days I was there. And um, that was immediately, you know, you fall in love with that and think, oh, I can spend a lot of time here. I, I hope I get to come back regularly. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the city in the state itself is beautiful. I've been lucky enough to travel a little bit already. So I've been up to Geraldton. I've been uh, all through the southwest, spent a lot of time in Albany and Esperance, Bunbury, Margaret River, all, all those areas. I'm heading up to uh, Caratha. A couple of weeks' time. Ooh, so good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that will be warm. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> um, it's it's been great to not only you know, see Perth, but but see the whole state, and um, it's been been excellent. And, and the the team and the people I work with have been been fantastic as well. So I'm really lucky I've had the opportunity and really really enjoyed it. And so just to sort of clarify right from the get go, your role at WA Cricket is the role to play a major role in rolling out Play HQ across the whole state, not just country cricket. Is, is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So I lead that with a lot of the cricket managers and the area managers. Yeah. Um, but it's an all-inclusive, I guess, rollout that we're doing the Metro and the country at the same time. And I think that's something that obviously I can inform a few people that may not be sure of the journey to date so far from a country cricket point of view. Um, but clearly it was, the opportunity was given to WA Country Cricket last year to take a lead role in rolling out Play HQ exclusively here in Western Australia. And we initially looked at that and considered it and you know, without going into too much politics, I guess, the the WA Country Cricket Board that I chair arrived at the perspective of we felt the timing wasn't right. And one of the reasons was that we were concerned about the fact that um, it would be only country only and without the city coming on board, there is a lot of crossover in in country and city sports from time to time, you know, even in the, the, the world that I still struggle around in, Todd, veterans cricket, you know, one minute you can be playing for a, a, a country-based team in a certain competition and then two minutes later you might be actually playing for what is effectively in a metro competition. So we, we were concerned about some some crossovers there and certainly the decision to pause and move to this season was was in some way based around the fact that we felt that it was better that it be a, an across-the-board unified approach to adopting Play HQ, which clearly is what is coming out this summer. So really looking forward to it, really looking forward to how that's going to play out, and, and we're certainly going to dive into now looking at a few things that we need to discuss. Yeah, and, you know, looking... Looking back now, certainly seems like the the right decision. I, I think if I was doing this training and trying to do it across two different timelines, we'd be much more tricky. So yeah, um, I believe it's worked out for the best. Yeah, it was it was a tough decision at the time, and uh, certainly 
at one point we were going, hey, how good would this be for WA country cricket yet again to show the way in WA cricket? You know, we're pretty, we're not competitive against our city friends, but well, yeah, maybe we are. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we kind of relished that idea. But uh, a number of challenges started to emerge and we're going to tackle those now as to why we probably have landed in a better space, I think. So let, let's get into talking Play HQ for this summer and already well advanced, already a lot of work on the ground. Let's reflect a little bit on your journey so far. Other states did proceed. Can you just give us a bit of an idea of who they were and, and a little bit about how that experience went? So for last summer, the states that completely onboarded were South Australia, New South Wales, Tasmania, as well as the ACT and Northern yep. Territory. Uh, yep. Northern Territory actually started in winter last yes. year. They had a, a slight head, head start. They were um, the very first ones. Yes. And also country Queensland, I believe. Right. Half of the state. I can't remember if it was country or metro or, or north south, but half of their state went across. And that left WA, Victoria, and the remainder of, of Queensland. Um, I guess my experience with being on the help desk and being in that support team, obviously seeing a lot of those day-to-day issues, part of the, the rollouts. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the, they did have some, certainly had some struggles with it in, in a body and a couple of those came back to, you know, there was probably no path for them to follow. It's fortunate that I now have people learn from, a process to look at, um, a lot of the states have been very open in saying, look, if we, we would do this again, we might change the order of this. We might put more emphasis on these on these things. And right. I think part of the struggle they had was just they had no one to follow and they were kind of going through that for the first time. And some of those small things, you might do things in the wrong order or um, take too much time in some parts and not enough in the other. Some of the training isn't complete. Some of those things aren't communicated correctly. So... You know, that was a good thing for us that we were able to sort of learn learn from that. But they certainly had some struggles in the the individual part. Um, and also being a new system, as much as you test and research and speak to people about things, it's when you get into having a thousand or two thousand games on the first round, that's when you really start to find, okay, this doesn't work as perfect as as we might have thought, or you know, we you think that people, when they use the system, they're going to go in a certain pattern and do things and you find that people will instinctively go other ways. So um, the way you set things up or the paths you might have to take, uh, pe- people are going and, and using it in a different way. So I think a, a lot of those issues were just, um, you know, caused by the way or the order that they'd done things or perhaps the system not being working as they expect people to use it. So fortunately by round six or round seven of the season, a lot of those things were wired out. But it, it is hard because with a new system, people are expecting everything to be perfect straight up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And once you start to have one or two problems, anytime you run into something, you assume that it's a system issue. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it might just be user error or something hasn't been set up set up properly. So I think it, it snowballed a little bit and there was there was frustrations, but... Um, you know, once they were wind out, it it quickly uh, became a lot better. And still working with those states now, part of a, a national delivery team. You know, they're 
certainly at a much much better place than they, they were at the start of last summer. I can say absolutely amen to your uh, comment around, and you did it very diplomatically, as to whether it's a system error or a user error. I've spent my whole life, as those who know me, working with um, accounting software so uh, and implementing and training accounting software. So, yeah, sometimes um, the comment that uh, the system is broken or whatever is, yeah, there's, there might be some truth to it, but there's also uh, the uh, a little thing called the user who uh, puts the information in. Um, there used to be a saying that doesn't seem to get rolled out a lot anymore, but was certainly prevalent in uh, my early years of software, and that was the term garbage in, garbage out. Having said that, however, can you tell us a, a few of the issues that were experienced in year one. Um, and uh, there was a couple that um, we identified last year that I'll throw at you to include in that perhaps. Uh, there was definitely one that was cropping up very regularly and that was uh, a lot of investment in large areas of regional WA in frog box. And there was certainly some plenty of uh, noise to say that there were issues between uh, connecting the Play HQ system and Frogbox. So maybe I'll, I'll hand over to you. What were some of the key ones that came up that have since been resolved? Yeah, sure. So with with Frogbox, that's something I believe was available from week six of the right. season. So as you said, it was something that Frogbox being external to Play HQ, there's some work that is done in the back end to get those two to talk to each other and that was obviously behind they want it to be. Yep. So from from round six, my understanding that that was fairly seamless. That the same way the My Cricket app, which is now the Play Cricket app, should be quite um, successful. I know that there's a few winter comps that we use at the moment, so I didn't mention before that technically uh, WA Cricket did come on board for winter this yep. year. Yep. There's only a small number of competitions, but I know that two of them use Frogbox and uh, it's been quite quite successful for them. So Frobus are obviously aware that the system's changing over in WA. It's, it's happening now across the country entirely. So they're doing that. Yeah, that's really working all as all as needed to for football one of, of the summer. Yep. Yep. What were some of uh, the other issues that you recall, you know, obviously were a bit angstful to start off with, but have since been resolved? Yeah, I think one of the major ones that as I said was probably a setup process issue and, and something we've probably harped on a little too much is during this season is the way that associations have set up their competition. So yep. a key key change with Play HQ from my cricket is when you register, you register to a competition yep. and into a club. Yep. So rather than registering to your club and then being able to go into any of those competitions, you'll register to a specific competition. For example, it might be the junior competition, which has all grades and divisions below it, but you register that competition in general. What we're finding is that if you want to play the secondary competition, you might play juniors and seniors, or you might play it one competition in association another, that you have to register each time. So you register to go through into that competition. Some were creating a separate competition for every grade. So there's an under 12, under 14, or 13, 15, 17 competition, so anyone that was playing two edge groups or playing multiple grades were having to register every single time. And obviously that quickly becomes frustrating with people that if they're playing, you know, same competition, just first and second division or 
under 13s, under 15s. They've got to go through that whole process again. Um, undoing that and fixing that is a, a very long process. So some chose to push through with it. They were sort of too far along and then cause on follow effects as you go through the season because everything needs to be done multiple times. Teams need to be entered at each competition. Um, team lists need to be need to be done. So that was that was a pretty key learning that came out of last year that having the junior and senior competitions essentially combined into to just two comps rather than having ten or twelve different ones um, has made a huge difference. And as I said, that that flowed on. And there were just some small features that I think initially were maybe raised as, you know, as you create and cricket's a, um, a great example of all those little niche things that come into. There may have been 400 items of features that need to be in the program. And of course, they're prioritised with what's important day one and what can be built out through the first season and, and ready for, for year two. And um, one that wasn't there day one was the ability to nominate a wicketkeeper. Yes. And perhaps I heard, from I heard on that, I heard about that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's something that, uh, depending on who you ask, that that's that's really important. Some of it's like, well, we can we can do it on a day. So that wasn't there, and something you would expect to see, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't there, so there was um, a lot of, I guess, frustration and uh, disappointment in that. And again, it's it sounds similar to me. I'm not I'm not a tech person, so using the using the system, but the back end and the coding and the process of building out features, uh, I don't know a lot about. So for me to say, oh, well, we should be able to just put that little wicketkeeper drop-down box in yeah. pretty quickly, and that's something that, one, it might take three or four weeks, but also there's 10 things on the list in front of it. So there was a couple of things like that. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but just things that until you went to find it and a dozen people went, where is this? Quickly, they went, okay, we've got to shift that up up the list of things to do. Um, the good news for us is that list is pretty much complete now. We've got a couple of things we would still love to see, but they're not uh, integral to, to running our competitions and our matches going forward. They're just some nice-to-haves. So that, that was going to be my next question, um, rather than try and unpack every issue there was last year and give a response to it. And um, I'm Please, you just sort of emphasised a couple that I think a few of us had read about in some, you know, probably social media posts or whatever where people were complaining, hey, can't put the wicketkeeper in, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, is there any flow over from any major issues from last year that haven't been resolved, I guess is a question, or are we, in the, are we in the space now where, like you just said, we can move forward this year with a degree of confidence? It doesn't say that some other issues might emerge that we haven't seen yet, but the major ones from last year have been addressed? Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident that they have, and I've, I've said to people, um, I certainly wouldn't have looked to take this role if I yeah. thought that the system wasn't <laughs> up to it or that... Um, there wasn't the ability to do this successfully, so um, you know my my experience says that it's in a in a good spot. Probably the the one thing we really wanted to have in time for, well, essentially for now, was some fixture clash management. So yep. the association, those association admins that we work with for our fixture trading over the past few weeks, would know that there's not the ability to, to identify a clash with another competition at a ground. So you can see your own matches. For look for some countries, that won't be too much of an issue. Um, some that share grounds with juniors and seniors, it may be. Um, but at the moment, 
there's there's a way you can find it, but the system doesn't easily tell you, hey, these two matches are gonna gonna clash. So we've sort of educated people on how they can identify them, and it's something that at our level we can see all the venues and and help people out if they they do need it. Um, and we've been told that you know the end of the calendar year is when we can expect it, but obviously fixes have been done now, so it's something that we'll enjoy next season. Um, yeah but just causing a little bit more work than we'd hoped for this time. I, I do know that one was raised also last year and I can hear in my ears okay. a, a couple of administrators in the Bunbury region where I'm from uh, going, oh, that's going to create a bit of problems. But it uh, sounds like um, there are some workarounds and uh, some just some common sense, I guess, to, to be able to work with that one. Yeah, we tried to make sure during that train the last few weeks that we, we brought it up and said these yep. are... These are the options. We know this can be an issue. There's nothing we can really do to manage it. Uh, sorry, do to fix it for now. But yep. these are some options that just to make sure you won't have those those problems. And, and I think that's a really good approach. I think most people would prefer to know the problem rather than than discover it. So and and deal with it, you know, or try to deal with it. Only to find out it was a known problem. So Co- yeah. correct. It's. It's going to um, it's going to come up at some point. It's better yeah. now. We've got some time to deal with it than um, yep. the Friday before the first match. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's go through a couple other key things that I know certainly have been thrown my way. You know, over the last twelve months, since uh, certainly from my perspective, it became a fait accompli that we were moving to to play HQ. A lot of people. Uh, you know, I've had some long cricket careers uh, in country cricket, including uh, myself and uh, many that we've had on the podcast in the past. Probably one of the things that many of us worried about was we like our My Cricket, you know, historical data uh, and uh, we'd hate to lose it, although, mind you, somebody of my age is only about half of my career in there, not the full career, but uh, we won't keep crying about that one. Um, so what's the process to ensure you retain and display your your historical data. Sure. And this is one that I think, yeah, did cause a lot of concern because there was maybe some misinformation or some confusion about, about what was happening. But um, from from those first training sessions, we were very happy to tell people that all this data will be will retained and, and accessible. Um, anyone that's been through the registration process already will, will note one of the steps is called the Cricket ID linking process. So you... When you go through your PlayHQ registration form, one of the requirements is that you do what's called cricket ID linking. It's quite confusing. I'm going to try my best to to explain it here. Essentially, you have a My Cricket ID number. You have a you'll have a PlayHQ profile ID. Yep. And then there's a third thing, which is a, a cricket ID, which is actually an email address. So the first point of confusion is some people think their cricket ID is their My Cricket ID number. Very yeah, right. easy to see how that's mixed up. Yes. Um, and certainly trying your best to, to communicate that. So Cricket ID is an email. My Cricket ID is a, a number you'll play a number from the previous system. The The way that this is, uh, process will work is rather than trying to link the My Cricket and PlayHQ directly, uh, that's a bit problematic having those two talk to each other, they both link to your Cricket ID email and that's how the three of them will interact. So you'll have a Cricket ID that takes in your previous My Cricket stats, your future, current and future Play Cricket stats and incorporate them into one. You can currently see them on the Play Cricket app. So 
anyone that had the MyCricket app may have noticed it's updated. It looks a bit different. Exactly the same app on your on your phone, but it's got a different colour now. It's, yep. it's changed itself I've seen overnight. It. Yep, I've seen it. You should be able to go into your profile shortly. There's still work being done in the background that once you do that linking, there's some, some background work that's got to be done, but you'll be able to see the um, current and, and past stats before where you could scroll through the past seasons. That will be available. So I've seen a few from other states that are a further way along and you can go in and see some are 22, 23, scroll back to the ones previously there. So that's working quite well. The next thing that will be available, and I'm not sure exactly when this is, I believe it's going to be ready by the start of the season in four or five weeks' time is what's called the Match Centre on the Play Cricket website. So people would be familiar. There was a My Cricket public site before where you could look at a lot of that data. Yep. There was also the, the Play Cricket uh, program finder by itself. There was the MyCricket community site and there was the MyCricket support site. I think I've covered them all. They're all being combined into one. So if you just go to the Play Cricket site now, you'll see all those separate websites now sit as banners across the top. And the new one that I believe is coming shortly is called Match Center, which will be essentially a web version of the app itself. So you better go in there, find old competition stats, find old profiles, all that sort of stuff. So it is still in the works, but hopefully by the time we kick off the season, everyone will be able to find old old data on not just themselves, but others, competitions, uh, leaderboards, all that sort of stuff. So um, that is the good news that is all there. You do have to do the linking as part of your PlayScript registration, so you can't accidentally skip it or miss it. It will require you to do that. The second part that does need to be done, uh, I guess manually you need to, uh, technical issue to do is if you go into the Play Cricket app itself, and many have, have done this because it was available for quite a long time. If you go into the uh, the more section on the bottom right, you can claim your My Cricket ID number. Right. So if you're all, yep. if you're logged into the app with your Cricket ID email that you just linked, and then you claim your profile number, that's the second step to link the three together. And we found that people have done all those. It's been quite successful. Well, to, I can attest to the fact that um, and part of the journey, I think, for many um, who are listening in who are from regional WA in particular and are still trying to work through and are concerned about this is, um, you know, make sure you, if you're not sure to tap into somebody within your club or association who does know what they're doing and, you know, lean on that information. I did that myself at my own local club at Leshnault and all my data is there. I'm still quite disappointed that it only shows from 2006 onwards and the 1400s I scored before them aren't there, but, you know, we'll stop crying about that and, you know, not to mention the 9 for 17 I took in 1991. But anyway, uh, that's... uh, Todd's rolling his eyes like uh, every listener right now. Um, well, that's another story for another day maybe. How do we get all that old stuff in there? But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Certainly. Yeah. So let's talk about registration now. Let's talk about registration. So generally, just to put a full stop on that, generally those who've still got concerns about their My, His- My Cricket historical data it's it's a fairly smooth process, but if you're not sure, reach out for help, I guess, is the takeout. Yeah, I, I should say all the clubs should have the resource available. We've sent a few out. 
One is there's a step-by-step registration process. Yep. But although the PlayHQ form itself is quite simple, yep. because of the Cricket ID linking and that extra step to claim your profile number, we've put together a six-step uh, how-to, which yep. will take you through creating a Cricket ID or finding yours. So it's a, a one-page, it's a yellow background document called a registration walkthrough. Uh, please ask your club for that if they've got it. Otherwise, on the WA Cricket website, if you go under the play banner, there's a play HQ page. Right. And it's located there as well. Easy okay. to find. Great. Fantastic. We might even put a link to that in the show notes of this episode, perhaps. All right. Let's talk registration now for a few minutes. How are registration numbers going um, from a, a WA country cricket perspective? Country cricket perspective? You put me on the spot because I don't have the numbers in front of me. <laughs> but I, I do know that statewide, there's about 8,000 registrations. Right. So that okay. is. That is metro and country, junior and senior. We're finding that a large majority of those are junior registrations, and of those, a large majority of metro as well. So, we've still got a little bit of work to do with with country clubs and getting those rego numbers up as well. So, kind of approaching that time now, four or five weeks out, that we really want people to start that process. Because um, although it's, as like I said, it's quite simple. It's probably only three to five minutes the first time you're, you're registering. Um, if you do run into any problems, you want a bit of time to make sure you can get them fixed up. Give your club time to go in and add you to a team and have all those things done, not leaving it. Although you, <laughs> although you can do it quite quickly, you don't want to leave it to the last few days. Well, as we stand, as we record this podcast, we're sort of in the first weeks of September and there's still, you know, there's often a feeling, and 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 I can attest this because I've been an administrator in country cricket for a long time. That oh, you know, we've got till the first couple of weeks in October to sort of sort things out, and football will finish or soccer will finish, and then we'll get on to it. I guess, well, certainly from my perspective, my perspective, and my understanding of where we're at with WA country cricket, we need to get a wriggle on, and right now um, with this process because. You're right. It's a first. It's not like we've had for a long time now where many administrators are so confident in the system because they've done it so many times before that it it, it is a 10-minute job before the first game on the first Saturday. So without putting words in your mouth, these are coming from mine. There is a, there is a growing urgency right now. If you're listening to this podcast, then you are a club administrator um, and we value that. We're strongly recommending if you haven't um, been able to get a lot of engagement so far, we need to get a move on. Yeah, and the the key point that we haven't touched on this in the show, but I'm sure many are aware, is the difference with the PlayHQ system. It is a mandatory self-registration system. Yes. So there's no longer the ability for the club administrators to go in and either create everyone in the back end yep. or roll them over as they had in the past, which yes. is a good and a bad thing. It's, it's good that uh, a lot of our data is going to be much cleaner. We're not going to have a hundred active players because people from 2007 are being rolled over every year. However, um, it does mean a little bit more work for for the participant. So you can't sort of wait until the last couple of days and then hope that someone from the club who always does it and yeah. is happy to, yeah. um, as much as they'd love to, they can't. It, yeah. It's something that just because you need to enter your details, you need to verify your email address, it cannot be done by um, someone else. And we certainly don't recommend registering your whole team or your whole club 
with one email address because in the system they become dependents of you. And yeah. then the the ID linking and the re-registration becomes, becomes quite complex. So just really stressing that um, the clubs, their hands are tied a little bit. They can't do the work for you. So each person needs to go and and do that step. Um, if anyone has used PlaySQ for other sports, so as I said, AFL, netball, basketball are all on the the system in, in WA. You'll already have an account and you can use that same account. So you'll have a cricket profile and then an AFL profile or basketball. You don't need to go through and, and do that again. So if you have gone through and done that before, it's going to make it much easier. But also you would know if you've used other sports, you've had to go through the the mandatory registration process. So that's probably another reason for people to start now that um, if you kind of get a start on it, then any problems you can catch up and the club won't be stressing that they're not uh, going to have players registered in time because they can't fix it for you, unfortunately. So can I clarify, if somebody hasn't registered, say by the first game, the first Saturday... Can they run out onto the ground and play? What's the go there? There are there are some things in place that are more aimed for people that um, you might have some genuine fill-ins that turn up yep. on the day, you drag someone in. Yep. There is the ability to add a fill-in player on the day. The The risk with that is that firstly, those, those stats and that data does not store anywhere and it can't be uh, assigned to a player later. So if you right. want to turn up day one, that's all right. I'll just be a fill-in. Yep. You know, take five or or have that a double century. Yeah. <laughs> you will never get that back, unfortunately. That will right. live as a uh, an unknown player uh, yep. in the system. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the big motivator. And and the second one is that um, you can you can fill in once, but if you start filling in second, third, fourth week yep. because you've forgotten to do it or you haven't got around to it, um, you don't you're no longer insured. So the fill-in right. players are insured their first match because, as we said, there's circumstances where you drag someone in at the last minute and you, you want to be able to accommodate for that because those those things do happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but people that are doing because they haven't registered or um, don't want to go through it, then they risk A, you know, losing all those stats and B, that they're not insured if, if something does happen in those second and subsequent games. Just finally, um, the registration process itself. So juniors have done it for a little while now here in WA. So like you said before, it's not probably surprising to me that uh, the majority of registration so far appear to be juniors. The reality is for most seniors and especially old seniors like me, you might say, or veteran seniors, um, you know, it's going to be a new experience. So, so maybe the can we sort of role play a bit here, and we'll use me as the example, you know, and sure. probably a bad example because I'm very much closer to the end than the start with my career. But so Rob Marshall um, plays for the Leshnall Cricket Club in the Bumbrian Districts Cricket Association, but Rob Marshall also plays um, in a competition called the Focus Cup, which is a metro-based competition for. The region called Cricket Southwest. Rob Marshall also plays for WA Veterans Cricket in in a national competition. So spread across, and that's not unusual. So I'm using me as an example because I can, well, obviously. But if you go across many cricketers in regional WA, they do cross across uh, a number of different teams that they play for, and that could happen on a Saturday, and then a different team on a Sunday. 
In that situation, who does Rob Marshall register with? Does he register with the Leshenault Cricket Club, the Bumbrian District Cricket Association, with Cricket Southwest, with Veterans Cricket WA, or does he just register with one of those? How does it work? Sure. Uh, the, so the simple answer is it, the order of it is not too important. So you'll have, you'll have a primary club, which, you know, that'll be just... Um, just in, in my case, system. Leshenault Cricket Club, I guess, yeah. Yep. So ideally you register to what you would call your home or primary, primary club first, although sometimes registration forms aren't, aren't always available in that order. Um, so what you do is register to the first club and you register to that club into a competition. So you yep. don't need to register with the league itself. Yep. Um, you don't have to register with the grade. You're registering to the club that participates in that competition. If you're playing for other clubs or playing in other associations and competitions, there's a couple of options. You can go through and re-register to that secondary competition. So the same process, go to play cricket, fill out the form and go through and go through the details. What will happen is it will flag and say, you're actually registered to a different club um, at the same time. So you're trying to play for two clubs in the same season. You either need to do a transfer, which this is very important. A transfer is the terminology for clearance in PlayHQ. Right. So it will say, do you want to transfer, permanently move from one club to the other, cancelling the, the original registration? Um, or would you like to do what's called a permit? So right. a season permit. And that was where you would then select, I'd like a permit for this competition mm-hmm. for the duration of it from day one to the end. And then you're all... First club would say, yep, happy for Rob to play in this secondary competition. The association ticks it off and it goes through and it registers you in there. Um, you go through and complete the form. The other option is that the secondary competition could say, we'll do that on your behalf. So either you can initiate that process or they can. The secondary club can say, we want Rob to play for us. They can go and submit a permit. Um, right. through the back end yep. and again your original club will say yes we're happy for Rob to also play there tick it off the association ticks it off and you're registered um, very important you don't need to pay the NRF every time you register so um, the, the NRF is the insurance component the 2250 the seniors 16 the juniors that's paid once per year so you right. can register four, five, six times as long as you're using the same account, don't create multiple accounts. Yes. Well, the same one, the system will say, you've paid it, you're valid until next September, $0. Um, you don't need to put a code in, you don't need to apply for an exemption, you don't need to get it refunded. It will just straight say $0, you've, you've already covered this this cost. And if there's a, a cost for the secondary comp, you go through and, and pay that as part of the rego. So you might need to do that three times if you play in three different competitions. Yep. The good news is it's going to auto-fill all your details. So it'll just say still at the same place, still at the same phone number. Um, it is, and I've, I've seen people go through this already as a bit of a test. It's it's honestly a 45 to 60 second process to re-register. Um, right. Log in, confirm your details, uh, perhaps make a payment if you, you need to. Uh, quite quite simple. It's it's not too, too difficult at all. It's all the same profile. You're not getting different profile numbers and, and all those sorts of things. 
um, probably just should note as well, if you're playing in the same comp in first and second division or, as I said, under 11s and, and 13s, you don't need to go through that process. If you're right. in the same comp, if yep. you're in the Bunbury junior competition, you yep. can play in any grade or you can coach in any grade yep. in there and move around as you need to. It's only if you're trying to move clubs or associations yep. that you need to get that approval. Right. Okay. No, that's great. Thanks for explaining that. And I think that's, you know, part of some of the dilemma for, well, I, I can't speak on behalf of met, metropolitan cricketers, but country cricketers, we do tend to move around a bit. We too tend to play in, you know, multiple competitions. Uh, you won't find too many playing in multiple associations within regional country because we have some rules and regs around that. But certainly there are different competitions that are run that uh, different cricketers move to from time to time from the regions and certainly you've answered that really well and and uh, hopefully most people will be able to work with that. Yeah, and something that's that's come up certainly in our, our country sessions that people have seen as a positive is that if you are doing that season permit, which is similar to the old transfer, yes. which is very confusing, <laughs> um, it can be done for the length of the season. So there were circumstances where if someone was flying, fly out certain regions... They would transfer them one week, transfer them back the next week, club to club. With the season permit, you are registered to both of those clubs for that period of time. And you don't need to go through that process every fortnight to, to send them yep. back and forth. It's it's just yep. done at the start of the season. Excellent. Very good. All right. I think um, at this point you've you've done a brilliant job today, Todd. We've uh, got to know you a little bit more, although I'm not quite finished with you yet. We've got a little thing on <laughs> our podcast that we call the Power Surge where uh, uh, just a couple of questions that I'm going to ask you that I didn't prompt you about so I can see the colour draining out of your face already <laughs> on that one. But before we do, um, any any final reflections on the season ahead? Uh, probably my, the other question is, how do people, if they have got concerns or they are experiencing some issues and we've already called out the fact that there is an urgency about this right now to, to get, get moving on this now, um, any suggestions on how people can get some assistance and help with this? Sure. So the first part will be there's a few clubs that we're currently um, getting in touch with that haven't opened their registration. So obviously for participants, you can't do that until they've They've gone through that process, so the cricket managers are reaching out and we're trying to get all those done in the next you know, sort of 10 days and have everyone, everyone active, the large majority of the clubs across the state are, which is, which is great. So as a club, if, um, if you're looking to do that, get in touch with the cricket manager. If you haven't spoken already, we'll, we'll help you through that process to get them open. As a participant, um, your club should be able to provide that form or if you go to play cricket, as before, all the registrations feed through there so that's that's the easiest way um i guess in in terms of in terms of where we're at uh, we've completed three of the four training modules we've done all the setup our last lot of training is over the next two weeks so i'll be in perth next week and we've got a couple of sessions with uh the metro associations and and premier cricket and the following week so i believe that's the 18th to the 22nd of september as I said, on uh, Karatha, Katanning, and Albany, which are um, obviously in person and online. So that's the match day training, how to e-score, how to set your lineups, how to put your results in, all those sorts of things. So I encourage people to get along or, or watch the recordings. Um, and as we as we move into the season, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the spot we're in. There's still some setups to do and 
as we said before, weeks one to four, we know aren't going to be perfect. Um, as much as we'd like to say nothing will go wrong and no one will make a mistake, it's going to happen. So we just want to be be prepared. Um, as I said, the cricket managers are, are really well trained on this now. The the Cricket Australia help desk is uh, much more stocked up with with people uh, this year. So on Saturdays and Sundays, match day, you can call one hundred cricket. Someone on the other line would be able to. Uh, someone on the other end of the line would be able to say, "Okay, this is what you need to change. Uh, this is how you need to fix it." So uh, don't panic that you've got to wait till Monday match for a staff member. That's um, by far the best way to go about it. So um, just just quick, I'll give a couple of examples of, of these things. So we had one association start some competition a little while ago and, and they had a couple of matches to e-score and I jumped in on Monday, keen to see their results and both their matches had only lasted until about the fifth over and then hadn't got any further in e-scoring. Right. But, oh, no, here we go. We've run into an issue and what's happened. And we, we got in touch with them and sure enough, the first match, they forgot to charge the iPad. So four, four <laughs> or five moments in it, it went to sleep and they did the rest in the scorebook. Um, and the second one, when they'd set the over limit for the match, they thought it was talking about the bowlers and they'd set it to four overs because they bowled four <laughs> each. So at the end of the fourth over, it ended the innings and they were stuck. So those things will just... You know, learning it for the first time, they won't do those two things again. No. But we're going to run into a few of those just uh, <laughs> teething issues. And as we said, hopefully people stick with it and, you know, by, um, by week four or five we'll be flying. So, um, yeah. So I'll just start, um you said it a minute ago, was it 1-800-CRICKET? Is that the... 1-800-CRICKET, yeah. 1-800-CRICKET is the helpline, yep. Yep, so you can call them. So with the time difference there, they start 8 a.m., Melbourne time, so uh, they'll be nice and early. So in summer, that might be 5 a.m. even. It um, is, yeah. time, and um, they're very conscious of the fact that there's the time difference. That's located in Melbourne, but they'll be across here. So um, they've they've assured us that until the, the last game finishes over in WA, that there'll be someone available um, to chat to. So that's by far your best resource for the for the urgent stuff on game day. Well, maybe give some feedback that, it, well, you know, I've played in many a game in regional WA cricket uh, that's finished in the dark with cars around the uh, oval with their <laughs> headlights on. So uh, I hope they're prepared to stay up late because <laughs> yep. we, we like to finish a game of cricket in regional cricket. If that means you've got to get the headlights on in the car, then uh, <laughs> yeah. we've done that a few times. Todd, um, we are going to bring it to a, an end, but uh, like I promised, a couple of quick questions. Uh, we wanted sure. to use this as an opportunity to unpack um, Play HQ, but uh, we also wanted to use it as an opportunity to to learn about somebody who's playing a, a pivotal role in WA country cricket this summer, and that's uh, obviously in the form of you. So a couple of questions to, to finish off, uh, just so we get the full picture of Todd Anderson. You asked me desperately not to ask you this question, but as soon as you ask me not to ask it, I have to ask it. Who's, <laughs> who, who's your AFL team, mate? Oh, I'm tempted to to make something else up, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, I am an Essendon supporter, a long, long suffering one. Um, so, again, I someone asked me that probably day one or day two at the Wacker, and I, again, I wish I had said something else. Which is, <laughs> um, I was I was up and about, and yeah, pretty, you were pretty talkative the first few. Few weeks of the season, and then it's um, yeah, crashed and burned as it didn't, does every year. Didn't quite come to yeah. pass, but mate, yeah. 
coming from me, a West Coast supporter, you, you're looking at gold right now. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we have got much to look forward to yet, but uh, the worm turns and hopefully it will for the Bombers as well very soon. Actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just think of those long-suffering Carlton supporters. I mean, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're on a, on a on journey this year. It could, um, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. You mentioned you haven't had a lot of cricket in your background, but you did indicate to me you're a big fan of backyard cricket. So uh, question two of the power surge, if you could bring one rule out of backyard cricket into mainstream cricket, what would it be? Oh, I think, I mean, the tempting one is a one-hand, one-bounce. Oh, I you've think that go. would. I've been saying that for ages, Todd. I'm going, let's bring one-hand, one-bounce into into mainstream cricket. Yeah, That would be great. Maybe it's going to be inside the circle or something. It yep. might be a bit harder, but... Um, yeah, that'd make things much well, more interesting. Here was my idea, and I pitched this at a, a WA cricket event. I said, you know, we're trying to always innovate with the big bash. Exactly that. Have a power play where for one over the bowling team can nominate that it's the over that there's going to be one hand, one bounce. And then I went one step further and said, and then maybe the fielders have got to have a stubby in the other hand or something like that. <laughs> um, but, that uh, would be exactly how implement it because... Yeah. Yeah, and if and if there's a spill, yep, not out, no, not out. You can't spill yeah. the 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 juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting a little bit off target here, but so question three of the power surge. Uh, you're a Melbourne boy, born and bred. Um, recommendation of a restaurant in Melbourne for us West Aussies coming to Melbourne? Any recommendations or? Oh, great question. Um, I must. Say, I'm not a. I'm not a huge fine diner like I. Uh, more frequent the. The Sporting Globes and all those, <laughs> all hey, those mate, sorts of anywhere things. there's a good schnitty, tell uh, us. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly recommend this if you're doing, um, you know, a Melbourne breakfast and try to get a nice coffee. That um, this isn't a secret by any means, but to Grave Street there, to Soft Slinders, um, right. the little ways, they're fantastic. So it um, pretty pretty crowded, pretty busy, pretty loud. Hardware um, Lane, maybe I've uh, I've spent yeah, many a off, good meal off Hardware well. Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good a good spot there. So um, yeah, I'm sure I'm not unveiling any secrets there, but um, uh, I've never never taken anyone there and they've been disappointed. So and finally, was the question that uh, we always love to ask on a podcast: Do you listen to other podcasts? And if you do, what's the, have you got any recommendations? I do. I'm a, I'm a bit of a podcaster. Um, you know, my previous job I did a a lot of driving in the car, so I was always on there. Um, probably one of my favourites is, is Hamish and Andy. Uh, oh, it was yes. something I'd always listen to on the radio and they've still got a podcast, Ask Ellie, that's there. <laughs> um, the other big one I'm into is uh, Bill Simmons' podcast, which is a mainly US sport yep. podcast. Uh, covers yeah, a, lot of, a lot of NBA basketball and NFL football and, and things like that. Um, and I'm also into my sort of fantasy sports like the super coach and dream team and um, all those sorts of things. So I've got a few on there to, to try and keep up with with stuff as well. Although I must say I'm one of those weirdos that goes on two speed a lot of the time. So I'll, I'll get through things quite quick on the on the two speed on some of those as well. So I'm, I'm <laughs> parents are all... Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Out on the Paddock. And, of course, you didn't mention that another favourite podcast of yours is Out on the Paddock and uh, is regularly on your dial. So uh, <laughs> I was listening to it just yesterday, so that's why uh, I most recently played. <laughs> there you go. Well yeah. done. Very diplomatic, mate. Uh, thank you for joining us today on uh, Out on the Paddock. Todd, we do wish you well uh, as we go into one of the most significant 
changes we've seen in in cricket in regional WA this summer and really pleased to have you on board and um, thank you again for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. No, it's, it's been great. Just just quickly, I just want to say all the, you know, the people in Delaware Country Cricket that I've, I've worked with, the administrators and volunteers across those clubs and taking the time to come out to the meetings and some of them two hours of me waffling on and they've stuck through them. Uh, they've been fantastic. Met some great people. I've loved travelling around um, Country WA. So looking forward to the, the next trips. And yeah, just want to thank everyone for the, the hard work they're putting in. I know it's it's such a, a strange thing to be doing cricket stuff in May and June and July. And you know, most people have just said, yep, yeah, needs to be done and, and powered through. So um, yeah, we acknowledge it's a lot of work this year. It, it won't be like this uh, in the future. But for me especially, thank you to everyone that's that's put that effort in and, and been so understanding and accommodating. It's, it's made the process much, much smoother. Fantastic. Thanks again, Todd, for joining us today on Out on the Paddock. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Rob. See you.